Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This crowd rises to its feet. Pacaro slammed it home. Garland left wing. Three ball. Perfect. Garland in front of the lane. Locked the Mobley. Pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo, the official streaming partner of the Cavs. Watch over 350 channels of live sports and TV, including Bally Sports Ohio, without cable. There's no cost and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com slash Cavs. The very shorthanded Cleveland Cavaliers managed to split their home back-to-back against the uh, Utah Jazz as well as the New Orleans Pelicans. This is probably the best move that I have been after a Cavs blowout loss in a, some time. And that probably goes to show, you know, the situation they were in in terms of who was available and the effort that they put out. But joining me today is a guy that always gives maximum effort, my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Is that no, true? I'm, I'm, I'm that's just, true. That's nice to Carter, say, but... Uh, it is after okay. 10 Eastern right now. I got to pump up your tires. I got to get you excited. I got to get the energy out of oh, you here. thanks, brother. And if thanks, I need brother. to lie to do it, uh, yeah. I will. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really nice of you, buddy. Uh, no, I'm doing good. Uh, happy to see the Cavs uh, continuing to fight. I thought even through that game, you know, they got it within four uh, mid-third quarter and just, you know, clearly ran out of gas, ran out of steam against a, a, a Pelicans team that was kind of felt engineered to cause this version of the Cavs' <laughs> problems. Uh, you know, where... Uh, where Utah was either really, you know, too small or too tall and not super athletic. Uh, Pelicans are just full of chalk, chalk full of six, eight freaks. Uh, and that's like the Cavs are, are already often in short supply of such, such bodily archetypes. They are especially so in this one and didn't even have their, uh, even their secondary firepower uh, to, to get, to get through it. So, you know, a 19 point loss. Um, but it's hard to feel too down knowing that they went three and one on this homestand without uh, Mobley and Garland and for two of those without Donovan Mitchell as well. And for this one functionally without Sam Merrill, who somehow counts now when I'm running through (laughs) the list of names that are making it hard to win, which is really cool. But I just got to say, I am sick of whoever our best shooter is available in a game. 
having a right hand injury. What is going on this season? This is this is officially pets heads are falling off territory where I didn't think coming into this year I would ever be going into a game being like, oh, Sam Merrill's a little banged up. I don't know if we, we can come away with a win in this one, but he was outstanding against Utah. Obviously, you know, he had a fall and uh, has a sore right wrist. So hopefully that's not something that uh, is going to bother him for too long. You know, one of the downsides of playing a back-to-back is maybe it is just something that needs a day off and, and wasn't able to get it. But um, I, I was really impressed with the way that these guys stepped up. And before we get into those performances, I, I think we just got to say, this is not a feat that would be able to be accomplished last season. The Cavs being this shorthanded and coming away with these kind of wins, I just don't think would even be possible um it goes to show you know the job that the front office has done with this team adding depth where in a year that you're going into already down pretty much your second and third string point guards with, with Ricky Rubio uh with an excused absence Ty Jerome getting hurt uh with under 20 minutes of gameplay you would not be able to survive injuries to Darius Garland Donovan Mitchell being away with the flu Evan Mobley being out that's there's just no way that you would be able to have a functional team on either end of the floor. And I thought the Cavs competed well offensively in both of these games. They they got up a lot of threes. Uh, Craig Porter Jr. stepped in and and from a playmaking standpoint it was really impressive. I'm just I'm just blown away by their ability to take the punishment that has been this regular season. The marathon of an NBA season is uh I I I forget who said it, but they said that the NBA is a marathon disguised as a nightly sprint because all of these games, like it's just a war of attrition getting through it. And for them to have guys like Max Struess, um, Sam Merrill, Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, Karis LaVerta against Utah, all step up in the way they have. Jared Allen, who, who's been great and has been acting as a playmaking hub. Man, there, there's just no way in hell they would have been able to pull off e- any of this last season no um and i just think i think it's clear that the down roster talent is just better um but i also think their fight has been really really good um you know for again all i ask of the team is to be uh, you know more than the sum of their parts and to try real hard um you know i'm I'm a pretty cheap date you know (laughs) Uh, I don't need that much. I'm not, I'm not sitting here sweating out championship odds after every, uh, after every regular season game. Um, and I think that over this, uh, home, this four game homestand where they go three and one, I'm just really pleased with, with their, their effort. Um, you know, it sucks to lose. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like, uh, and you know, I wouldn't say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell my grandkids about the 19 point loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> at the end of December, but like, uh, yeah, I just feel like they're, they're hanging on. And like, I'll tell you what, if we ever say injury regression again, one of us should punch oh each other goodness. in the face because, you know, there's no guarantee just cause they got real banged up last year. Doesn't mean they were likely to get any less banged up this year. And I don't know, mate, it, it might, I think it's been worse, uh, <laughs> than last year. If, if it um, hasn't been by which this is point, a bummer. it will be by the time Garland, you know, has, has gone through his injury and, and Mobley's yeah. gone through his. Um, it, it's important too. Like, it's important to see this depth step up in the way that they have because 
it gives you a little bit more confidence that guys aren't going to be overtaxed that that Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell aren't going to have to play 40 uh, minutes a game to have a chance in this and I think one of the the benefits uh from a scheduling standpoint that we can kind of uh, breathe a sigh of relief about is when you look at this time that Garland and Mobley are going to be out, we do have that Paris trip, which means one game in seven days for the Cavs. And when you're talking about, you know, a four to six, eight week injury timeline for, for Garland and Mobley, having a week where there's only one game is really beneficial because you look at the remaining stretch for the Cavs and um, four weeks from when Garland's going to be reevaluated uh, after that jaw operation, there's only eight games left. And you look at some of those, uh, obviously, you know, the, the Dallas one is, is going to be tough, um, but you got Chicago, Toronto, Washington twice, the Spurs, and then, of course, the Paris game against Brooklyn. If I'm going to that Spurs game, by the way, Justin. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm a little envious of you. But you look at those games, and if Donovan Mitchell is available, you feel good about your ability to at least go, like, let's say 500. Like, if you go 4-4 four and four over that stretch... Like, you're going to have an above 500 record. And functionally, that's not different than last January where the Cavs went 500 for a month. Like, that's a thing NBA teams do even in successful seasons. So, you know, as, as doom and gloom as it's felt, this is, you know, it, it's build, still building some positive momentum. And especially when you look back on that Detroit game, like, we came away from that win saying it doesn't feel like the, the heart is in it. Like, they, they don't hate to lose. They, they don't want to, you know, punish these teams and step on their throats. The effort level since then has been night and day different. And I really do think that J.B. Bickerstaff deserves a lot of credit for managing a rotation where the, the lineup with the second most minutes together still only has three games, Carter. It's still that same lineup. Like, it has been an insane lack of continuity. And I, I just don't think that most teams would be able to, you know, keep the, their spirit about them when you deal with this many injuries and show the fight that they have and, and to, you know, have this record above 500 right now. Yeah, I, I think JB absolutely deserves credit. And uh, as much as, you know, I, every time the Cavs come out not ready to play or not sharp, I'm, I see people on Twitter saying, it's coach's job to get the team ready to play. Well, like, uh, and like, I, I, th- I do think... Uh, you have to kind of flip that <laughs> like with when they're coming out ready to play when they are when you would expect mm-hmm. a letdown when you're like okay our top three guys are out and the and we're already not like a a super dribbly team in the first place <laughs> like this is going to be really rough for us you know let's just i guess do our best no they're coming out super sharp super aggressive playing smart veteran basketball um, I think coaching staff has got to get some some flowers for that, and it, it's not. I, I guess you could argue that's a given that you should be ready every night. But if it were a true given, then every all thirty teams would be mm-hmm. ready every night and sharp every single night and uh, consistent uh, in their spirits and effort level. And I I, I think that uh, the coaching staff has definitely figured something out. And like, there's been some concern about like over the course of this year of like. Uh, is it, you know, it's, you know, JB's like the fifth or sixth most tenured coach in the league now, uh, which yeah. is crazy, by the way. Um, and, you know, uh, like in that early season stretch, it's like, are they still listening to him like they were two years ago? And like, you you never mm-hmm. really know, but like, I really think there's been a, it's been a real flex from the coaching staff 
over the past two, three weeks of mostly really focused basketball uh, in the face of pretty serious roster yeah, adversity. And, you know, one thing that we, we don't probably don't talk about a lot is I think outside noise, it's inevitable, especially in the social media age, that it's going to have some impact on, on the team, right? Like, this is the first real season where they're under the microscope. They went into the last year where the national expectation was, hey, play in team, maybe, you know, five, six, we'll, we'll see how they do. And they exceeded that. This year, you know, th there is real pressure on them. And uh, as soon as those injuries came down, you saw nothing but, you know, the vulture circling, right? Like, oh, are the Cavs going to have a fire sale? Is their season over? Are they going to go in the tank? But I, I think this stretch has shown that there is the depth in place to survive a stretch like this. I think it goes to show you, like, we know the top-end talent of this roster is very, very good. And when they are together and when they are healthy, they perform at a very high level. The question always was, five through 10. And I, I think seeing them over this stretch makes you feel better about five through 10. It makes you think of more options you can go to. I think Isaac Okoro, Karis Levert, um, those guys are always going to be coming in off the bench. But after that, you know, like Dean Wade, George Niang, Sam Merrill, uh, even maybe Craig Porter Jr. Like you can get to guys that JB now can throw different looks at teams with and can feel more comfortable with them as a result of seeing them perform so well in these situations. So I, I think as much as I hate going through this stretch and I would love to be, you know, ripping through these teams because if we're doing well without our top guys, we would be killing it with them. I do think that there are some benefits and lessons that you can take from this time. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I do want to talk about some of those kind of in a bench guys. Like, obviously, to your point, like, Karis is going to be in the rotation no matter what. We're going to ride the Karis roller coaster. We're going to ride the Isaac Okoro roller coaster. Yeah. They're just going to play. Um, I do want to talk about a guy like CPJ, a guy like uh, Sam Merrill. And uh, I'll go dealer's choice. Who do you want to talk about first? Because I got questions for both I'm going to go with Sam Merrill because I think there's a cleaner path to him being a potential regular rotation guy. So ask away. Um, okay, question one. Uh, let, let, let's, first off, this is a really bad time for him to hurt yeah. his wrist. You know, like you do feel for the guy. You hope it's just a little, a little stinger and he's back in two days. And right. Frankly, it's fine. selfish of him. Like, really from a pod, like from a pod standpoint, doing a rundown, like I was coming into this being like, this is going to be the Sam Merrill pod. And then, you know, right before tip off, you get questionable and <laughs> tries toughing it out. Couldn't happen. Yeah. But fire away. Yeah, but you know you want you want to see him be able to build on this on this run, especially while the opportunity is there. But let but let's say he continues. Maybe he doesn't keep scoring twenty points, but he continues to give really yeah. good minutes on both ends of the floor, mind you. If you're, would you? And when the team finally gets healthy, if the team ever gets healthy, do you expand your rotation to ten to to get Merrill minutes, or do you look at? 
making that ninth spot a little more competitive on a night to night. I basis. think it'd be more the latter, making it competitive on a night to night basis. Like if things are progressing the way that they are right now, like in terms of someone like Dean Wade, when Dean Wade is shooting well and playing as well as he is right now, I kind of like if you're going merit based, I think there's a stronger case for him getting minutes over George Niang if one's going to be losing some time. And, and Niang, you know, he, he's played well at times here as well. But if you're trying to find minutes for a guy like Sam Merrill or, or someone that's going to stretch the floor, I can almost see sacrificing some Niang minutes if Wade's healthy and, and can kind of take the minutes against larger bigs when you're staggering. And then playing a little bit downsized where you have guys like Max Drews, Isaac Okoro shift over to the four at, at times to open up some of those guard minutes potentially. Like we saw them together when it was uh, Struis, Okoro, and Mobley playing together. And that worked. Like those lineups were, were fun and interesting. And both of those guys compete on the glass. So you're able to get away with it. So I, I think it's easier to make the adjustment and get Merrill some of those minutes as the ninth man. 10, I just feel like you're running into a spot where guys are inevitably going to try to do too much with the minutes they have because it's so few and it gets kind of crunched. I'd rather go with the flow, kind of have more minutes for these guys to, to play their games and go more matchup based with nine rather than 10. Well, just nine. The only thing with nine is it, you're not just taking a few minutes from Niang or Wade in that spot. You're cutting them out entirely. Potentially. Like, like those are your eighth and ninth men right now. Yep. That's indisputable. So like, like when the team is fully healthy. So like, I do think like, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what the right road is. Um, part of me would like to even see what expanding to 10 looks like or, and just kind of riding the hot hand on a given night. You're right. You know? I, I think it would need uh, to be 10. Like you, as, as yeah, I'm jotting it I'm down saying. on pen and paper, I, I think you're right. It, it would be 10. And man, that's, I can't, these, these are count. not easy decisions. Like, you know, I, I encourage anybody to go on the uh, 2K rotation builder and try building out a rotation, uh, like doing the, the customized one with the little paint function and whatnot. It's tough. It's tough to, to figure out exactly a 48-minute balance and getting all the guys that you want to get minutes, minutes. I, but the one conclusion from that, and I think in a roundabout way, we kind of got to CPJ is, man, it's tough to figure out. Like if Sam Merrill's getting minutes and spacing's really important, Getting the 6-4, like, lights-out shooter is a higher priority. And, you know, to another extent, if Ty Jerome comes back at some point, it's going to be tough to, to find minutes for him, too. Like, it's, I, you know, it one of the benefits of this time is seeing the depth, but the flip side of that coin is it could create difficult questions in the future. And, you know, I, the easy answer is, is someone's always going to be hurt. So, you know, there's going to be opportunities, but... When you're fully healthy, that's uh, another question entirely. Yeah, and uh, I, I I think that is kind of the roundabout follow-up question, which is if you want Merrill in, it's not even a question, it's just a statement. Like, if you want Merrill in the rotation, like if you want him to get minutes moving forward because you really love the fact that he is such a quick-trigger shooter that you can pair him with Struess and Niang, uh, and, you know, Darius or Donovan and just have lights out high volume shooters all over the floor. 
well, guess what, buddy? You ain't playing a backup point guard in your rotation yeah. anymore. Like, and, and like, so like, no matter what the team's backup point guard situation is, like, you know, I, I just want to make sure people are not accidentally speaking out of both sides of their mouth where they go, oh, where was Merrill's rotation minutes all year? And then, and then also be like, but we need to get CPJ reps. We need to, or, or when Jerome gets back, we got to play Jerome. Like, these are going to be zero sum decisions uh, at, at the end of the rotation. That's just how end of rotation minutes are going to be, especially if JB's going to stick at nine. I've actually quite enjoyed while the team, uh, you know, uh, has been down Evan and Darius playing the 10 man. I think it actually gives them a, a bit more inherent lineup mm-hmm. versatility because he can just trot out different looks and get a sense of who's really contributing on a given night. You know, sometimes these tighter rotations just mean that you have to let people play through meh games that otherwise, you know, like if you do sprinkle out those first, those four or five minutes of Merrill in the first half where you go, Oh, Sam's feeling it tonight. Sorry, Karis, you're only going to play 20, not 30 tonight. Uh, You know, whatever it may be. Like, I do think that, uh, that expanding the rotation has led to some extra optionality and a, a little extra hot hand, riding in a way that I don't think is hurt, you know, in terms of opportunities mm-hmm. for others. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it is an interesting conundrum with, with Merrill and, um, it's so weird to be talking about him like this. Cause I just kind of assumed he'd be the break glass in case of emergency. We need a guy to get out there to play the right way. Kind of guy. Um, and so the fact that he's put these two games together, I don't know. I, I was thinking about this. Where do you fall this, on it? Uh, I, I don't think you actually gave an answer in terms of where you'd go. Oh, oh, that's a good that's a good thing uh, to ask because uh, I forgot to answer it. Uh, I think I would just expand to ten. I think that was my roundabout way of saying I would expand to ten. I like the way that the the roster feels when we're playing more players. Um, I think it gives and it just gives that opportunity for a guy to have a really good night, and all of a sudden, you know, the tenth guy in the rotation becomes the seventh guy on a given night in minutes. You know, yeah, if he's um, shooting like he and, does against uh, Utah, and, like, oh, okay, yeah, you're you're now the the sixth or seventh yeah, guy, right? But all of a sudden, yeah, 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 welcome. Uh, so I I think that's where I'm at uh, uh, in, in that regard. Uh, and you know, I was in the macro. I was driving home. I I got a drink with a friend last night who was in town. I was driving home, just thinking about the game, and I was like, I was just thinking about the fact that it's so hard to know whether you've found Mm. something with some of these end of bench guys or these, these diamonds in the rough, whether it's CPJ, whether it's Imani Bates uh, development long-term, whether it's, you know, what they had with Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens a couple years ago. uh, And whether it's a guy like Merrill and like, we see this across the league where guys get a shot and do do something with it and then they're never to be heard from again and then sometimes we see them get a shot and whether it's circumstance whether it's coaching whether it's the front office believing in, in them they keep getting the opportunity and they keep re, you know right you know uh rising up the ranks and meeting the moment and become like fixtures and like it's so hard to figure out which which one any of these three guys uh, in at the end of the cabs roster situation are are uh, is cpj a long-term backup point guard for the team or is he a guy who had a few really good games as a rookie as a 23 year old Mm -hmm. rookie 
is did Sam Merrill get hot against a a, a Utah Jazz team inexplicably playing just zone <laughs> against the Cavs when they when all their ball handlers were hurt, uh, or or is he like a real long term piece and like I you know I the reason I think I would extend the rotation to keep giving these guys shots is because like we're just never going to find out if the team, if the team gets healthy and then we say, okay, thanks Sam. Yeah. And then he just sits on the bench for the rest of the year. And like for a team that spent a lot of assets to go get a Donovan Mitchell, you know, their road to major roster improvements kind of has to come internally at at this point, you know, They'll have mid levels and things like that, but like for the most part, they got to find diamonds in the rough and find surprise rotation players or guys who you know outkick their 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 draft slot um, and outproduce their draft slot. And so that's why I just want to see them continue to give these guys run, even if we learn, even if we give them run maybe a little longer than they should have gotten, and we find out uh, they it was just yeah. two good games. Yeah, you know? but you know that's part of the benefit of having 82 games right like that's and and we talked about this in the offseason where you know i i think fans in general will look at kind of like a win-loss record for a team like miami last year and obviously no injuries were a big factor for them but they'll say you know they didn't take the regular season seriously no they took it very seriously but they they experimented on stuff they they were willing to sacrifice some wins to try to get those long-term games and i i think the differentiating factor um, for these guys that do something in flashes when nobody's really expecting it. Like, let's be honest, Utah probably wasn't coming out. Like their players probably, even though, you know, some of them are former Cavaliers, they're not coming out saying, all right, we got to go out and win this one. Like we're, we're, we're fired up. Look who we're going up against. We're when guys, when stars are missing, teams will take their foot off the gas. It's human nature. It is what it is. Look at Utah tonight. They they're down Lowry Markinen and Taylor Horn Tucker, but because they're playing Detroit on a historic losing streak, they're fighting for their damn lives and they go out and beat Detroit uh, with a much worse roster than they had last night against us. But who Detroit's fielding in terms of like talent and stuff like that, you could probably make an argument. Uh, it's, you know, superior to what the Cavs have, at least in terms of high end guys like Kate. Um, but man, like, I, I just think, the differentiating factor between the guys that do well before there's a scouting report and the guys that stick, it's usually an elite skill set. And when I look at Craig Porter Jr., yeah, he wasn't efficient uh, finishing, but the fact that he goes out there and he gets steals and blocks, he's so athletic. He gets 10 rebounds in these two games. Six assists versus Utah, 11 against the Pelicans. A friend of the podcast, Tony Pesta, pulled a stat from StatMuse. 11 assists are the most by an undrafted rookie since the 1956 season. And obviously that's for a rookie. Uh, we saw an undrafted rookie go for 17 against us with uh, Fred Van Vliet the other night. But like he's got elite skill sets in terms of his athleticism and his ability to impact the box score. And Sam Merrill, man, like we know how much this team needs shooting. We know how much attention their stars draw from an opposing defense. So when you have a guy that connects at a high level, when you kick it out to him, that is just such a benefit. We love high level connections on the Chase Down podcast, which is what we get from Zoom. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. 
Zoom how the world connects. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Carter, I want to get... Yeah, go ahead. Ja- oh, I was, I was going to pivot us over to CPJ because I, I have some questions and some go thoughts enough, there, too. Um, Obviously... CPJ comes out of the gates this season, and pretty much any time he gets minutes, he's scoring like 15 points. You know, he's getting into double figures. Last two games, a lot more of a low-key um, offensive output. He had 13 combined points in the two games. Uh, hit a couple threes, I believe. Um, really strong playmaking, really strong passing, but certainly the scoring in and finishing at the rim, like even in terms of like, it wasn't like he was smoking layups. It was like, the angles were getting shut off, especially in this mm-hmm. game tonight. Um, I feel like the last two games better represent what I thought the high upside for a CPJ extended run would be at the beginning of the season. Like doing all the little things well, um, the jumper not really being there, uh, and being pretty reliant on, you know, uh, on scoring over extended length. And so the scoring wasn't great, but I thought the playmaking was really good. Like it just felt like a little bit more of an even performance as opposed to like he was hitting such crazy highs against Philly. It feels it feels like a step back, but the more I think about it, it's also like this was kind of what I would have thought his high end outcome would be if he had to make a couple spot starts at the beginning yeah, of the year. I, I think that's a good point. And you know, some of it is matchup based like Utah playing a three two two three zone at times like that was unbelievable. Uh, I was talking to uh, Ben Dowsett prior to that game. Uh, he was unaware that Mitchell was a game time decision at that point, and he's messaging saying, "Man, they're going to beat you guys, or uh, the Cavs are going to beat them by twenty. He's like, "You guys take so many threes. We're going to sit back in a zone all game. It's going to be ugly." And I was like. Man, I just don't know. Like, we're we're down our first, second, and third string point guards. Are we going to be able to generate looks consistently enough? And lo and behold, there they are sitting back in zone, allowing, you know, Max Truce and Sam Merrill to just kind of go nuts. It wasn't even like a trapping Miami aggressive zone. It was just like high school, straight up, we're playing zone because we don't trust any of you guys to play man. But the thing about a zone defense is it does make it harder for a slasher, a guy that doesn't really have that outside shot to, to get to the rim and finish. Uh, Utah does have length. Uh, Walker Kessler is a great rim protector. Uh, Larry Markinen is obviously huge. Like They've got guys there. And the Pelicans have a ton of length as well. So I, I do think you know it shows the limitations, especially uh, for a guy that doesn't have that consistent outside shot. But I do like that he was still able to generate enough penetration and especially off of movement. Like, I think the Cavs ball movement overall in the half court has been great over this stretch. I I think he was able to generate enough of an advantage to create for other teammates. And that's a really, really encouraging sign because we can develop the jumper. and, And, you know, you look at Derek White as a prime example of someone that came into the league at the same age and took him like five, six years still to develop a jumper, but came along eventually. You can develop that, but I, I think 
that innate sense of finding those ways to to impact the game to create for others no matter what the defense is throwing at you that's a really really encouraging thing to see from craig yeah well and especially like the it when defenses have been sagging off of him and he's having to drive into the teeth of some packed paints to have 17 assists to two mm. turnovers in, in these two games i think is really indicative of his level of control uh, of of the offense and of the game. I think he's also done a really nice job finding and setting up really great looks in transition and semi-transition. You know, uh, he, you know, one of Wade's uh, wing threes in transition, he set up so beautifully. It looked like he was getting ready to dump it back to behind him to Struess, who was trailing, and the defense started bending that way, and instead he just, you know, whips a cross-court pass over to Wade on the right wing. Just that that kind of intuition to kind of make the surprise pass that's still really, really good and fundamentally sound. I think he gets a ton of credit for that. I but, do, uh, you know, do want to cut score, you off. What? Sorry. Part of the reason I like to give credit every time I pull a stat is, one, we're part of the Cavs community. I, I like highlighting people that pull good stats. The other part is to absolve me of blame when it's wrong. And our friend Tony Pesta was wrong. Cavs Notes tweets, uh, the Cavs' wonderful communications Twitter account. Uh, undrafted rookies with 10-plus assists in uh, regular season came in Cavs history. Uh, Delhi uh, did it three times in 2014. Was that his rookie year? Maybe maybe, uh, maybe Tony was right, actually. Hang on. Let me, let me look this up. Uh, let's, uh, uh, I don't think that was his rookie year. Let's... Uh, let the record show you. You called me an agent of misinformation after no, that a bad was free throw rookie year. That was Here Delhi's you rookie are. year. Yeah, I'm, I'm the agent of mis. At Tony's the agent of misinformation. Here, and here you are spouting off unverified data on the podcast. I'll tell you what. It could be me, but it shouldn't it's be pesto, either of pesto us. of lies, and I'm I'm disappointed in our friend. Oh wow. Wow, pine nuts and lies. <laughs> Hate to see it, Tony. Continue. I'm, I completely derailed you, so I'm just going to throw you the continue. Oh, I don't even remember. I don't even remember what I was saying. Yeah, I just yeah. I thought I thought CPJ. Uh, I think the playmaking has been really good. I think the defense. Uh, you can definitely see the the small frame being a, a bit of a focus point uh, for opposing offenses. But I think he's done more than well enough uh, in terms of recovering from the hits and challenging um you know really using his burst to to challenge uh shots near the rim and then the rebounding has remained really really good so this is this kind of was what i thought we might be getting coming out of preseason uh the offensive efficiency as a scorer just hasn't been there and i just think he's got to take threes i it's you know i i think he is leaning on what he's most comfortable doing but right now he's passing up some wide open threes that you know he's being set up on very clean catch and shoots, um, and I think it would really help him. I mean he's got the he's had the ability to make mm-hmm. these shots. I mean uh, he's he's hit some tough step backs. Uh, uh, it's clear that it's just not a comfort shot for him. But I do think the the touch is there. So like I'm still very bullish on him long term developing a three point shot, but. You know, in the meantime, five five for sixteen in these last two games, um, just not quite good enough. But I I I do uh, I do remain quite bullish on Mister Porter Junior. With that said, I this is like I do think this is a bit of an enough of a coming back to earth 
that people should not be like losing their mind that he's not playing when Darius, Karras, and Donovan yeah. are all playing. Like he might just not get a lot of run in those games, especially if you want Sam Merrill to yeah, also play. You know what? You're just not going to get a 12 man rotation. I'm I'm sorry. And Frankly, you're probably talking about 13 because Tristan seems to be getting minutes all the time as well. Uh, while we're giving credit to undrafted Cavs rookies that, that got a lot of assists, shout out Donald Sloan, who got 14 back in 2012. <laughs> the list goes on and on, Carter. Don't, what was... T- I'll tell you what, Tony did not uh, yeah, vet that one. <laughs> Stat Muse, tough, tough, <laughs> tough look, you know? Tough look for the Muse. Uh, speaking of... Uh, of- journeyman uh role players dean wade oh, our boy six of eight from three tonight 20 points nine boards two blocks some excellent defense on yeah. brandon ingram um Ing- ingram got 17 on 12 shots but i thought i thought wade made every single one hard um he remains the best big wing defender on the team and uh, i was really glad to see him have a really good night from three i feel like I feel like that shot rem- has remained a little up and down. Um, but, you know, in his last four, he's uh, doing some fast math. 13 of 21. Yeah. Pretty good. You know, pretty, pretty, the important thing is the good. attempts are there, right? Like, it, he he needs to have that gravity. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's understandable breakdowns uh, in terms of the Cavs defense right now. Like, these are guys that just haven't played a lot together and there's miscommunication. Um, but I, I feel like Dean individually has done a really good job, did a great job on Ingram, did a great job on Larry Markinen, who didn't have a point in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I just thought he was tremendous. Isaac Okoro, I, I want to give him a shout out because I think his defense has been really good. Um, Colin Sexton didn't have a good shooting night, but I, I went back and, and rewatched all of his field goal attempts. He only took two when Okoro was on him. Uh, there was two open threes where Okoro helped off and they, they were wide open. But in terms of when Okoro was actually on Sexton, he only took two shots, missed both of them. And, you know, Okoro's the kind of defender that's going to give uh, Sexton trouble, right? He, he's got the height advantage at 6'5". He's got the length. He's so strong. Colin's not able to kind of bully him and push him out. And I thought there was a lot of times where it looked like Sexton was going to go up for a shot. And while he was in the air, he's like, ah, Okoro's contesting this. I'm going to give it up. Um, so I, I thought he did a tremendous job and really him and Dean stepping up the way they have, um, as starters has really impressed me. Uh, obviously we know the importance of Dean Wade. Um, that's our one option of like a stretch four that is a strong defender that can help you on the boards and kind of, you know, that big kind of glaring need that the Cavs have as a third big, he's the one internal option that solves that. But Okoro, obviously, you know, we talk about Craig and his development. Okoro's a year younger than Craig Porter Jr. And I think, you know, because the development Crazy. has always occurred in front of us, we forget that there, there's still so much growth ahead of him. And for him as a starter, he's averaging 11 points per game, over five rebounds, over three assists, 52% from the floor, 43% from three on over three attempts. Like, he's impacting the box score in so many ways, and that's what we really wanted to see from him. Obviously, you know, the, the jump shot's always going to be part of the story, but it's been at a good percentage or, or an above average percentage for so long now at a low volume that that's just not my main area of focus. It's him doing all these other things that, that really impresses me. 
Yeah, I think the playmaking has been really, really good. I mean, he's got six, three, five, and four assists in the, over that home stand, and uh, you know, oftentimes was that secondary creator um, attacking closeouts and uh, you know running a little pick and roll, even um, being a transition creator for them. I thought he, I think he's definitely given them really, really strong minutes. Um, you know, it, it, it's never. I just don't know. To your point, like the three point stuff, just almost seems uninteresting. You know, it's like, okay, if it leaves his hand well, it's going to go. And yeah. if it doesn't, it's not. And probably not going to get guarded either way at the volume he's at. But I thought he gave them really, really good minutes tonight. I think he was one of the few folks, especially, uh, you know, he starts that third quarter off with, I want to say, seven of his 16 points in the first, like, two, three minutes. Gets them close. And, you know, ultimately, I think Isaac has just been Mr. Dependable. Um, I feel like you've been able to count on his on a steady performance pretty much all year. You know, he hasn't had as wild of swings as I think we saw yeah. last year. Um, and it's been yeah, really nice it, to see. It really has. And the other guy that stepped up from a playmaking standpoint it has been Jared Allen. Um, I, I tweeted this out, but last year was a career best for him. He had 15 games where he had at least three assists in a game. Through 24 games, he already has 11. So he's four off like that, that career best rate. And when he talked to us on media day, he said, playmaking is one of my kind of main areas of focus like I, that's that's one of the things i worked on this offseason because i understand looking at that nick series having that front court playmaker having that release valve for the guards is so important and the continuity of the offensive system like being able to run some of the same stuff when evan mobley is off the court and jared allen is the one big because both of these guys are probably going to play 16 minutes apart from one another and 16 minutes together. And being able to maximize both of those opportunities is like, that's the thesis between, behind the whole Cavs build. Like this core four build is we're going to have one elite playmaker and we're going to have one elite defender on, on the back line, on the court at all times when this team is healthy. And Jared Allen being able to provide that that uh, playmaking, I think is really important. And He's showing off another thing that, that we talked about before, where last year he had the second best percentage behind Donovan Mitchell on the team from mid-range. Just Man's hit a step back today, it looks he's like. He's got nice touch from that range. I like him keeping defenses honest. I'd like to see him take more of those shots. And it's the funny thing about these games where, where stars are out is guys showcase parts of their game that they don't really feel comfortable showing in other times because they feel like there's a better shot out there. And, you know, in the case of Jared Allen, I, I like seeing him be this assertive. I, you know, I think his inability in these last two games to, like, keep a strong start going and, and end up with, like, a 25, 30-point scoring night has to do with the lack of point guard play on the team because he is still someone that needs to be fed. But I do like that he's made the most of his opportunities. He's finishing at a high rate against, you know, good post defenders in Walker Kessler and Jonas Valanciunas. I, I just really like the way that he has stepped up and has impacted the game in as many ways as he has. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Yeah, uh, I've I've really really been impressed, and I think even though Struess I think has been slumping a little bit the last couple games, I don't think it is a byproduct of shot mm. diet. Um, and one thing that I was worried about when Evan went down uh, w- with his injury was that okay, well he he and Struess have kind of completed each other so much this year. You know, not only has Struess gotten Evan a lot of clean looks. I think Evans gotten Struce a lot of clean looks yeah. with their two man game and the and so the fact that in like Jared's not as good of a playmaker as Evan, but the fact that they're able to run a lot of the same stuff and generate similarly clean angles I I think has been encouraging. I think this is one where the tape probably better represents what's happening mm-hmm. than the numbers. because um, I think Struce has had a lot of really good looks these past few games. And a lot of them just didn't fall. And like tonight was one of those nights where like a lot of good catch and shoot looks for Struess and they just, none of them, none of them uh, found, found pay. You know what it probably uh, was? The playmaking if has I been had there. I to guess, you know, what? especially with him going six to 12 from three last night, it's probably third game in four nights when I've been asked to do too much because of the Cavs injuries. Like that's probably what it is. They look like the legs yeah. just weren't there. What do you make? So one of the thoughts that I've kind of been mulling around in my head is we now these last few games, the Cavs have taken over 43s in all these games. You know, that we are in sync. I was going to segue to this. We're now at when you look at the number of games the Cavs had last season with at least 40 attempts from three. We've had three more already this season. When you combine that with the increase in pace, like those were two objectives that the Cavs had coming into this year. And, you know, some of that's obviously you're playing with one big, um, so there, there's more spacing on the floor. Although I would point out the flip side of that is you're also starting Isaac Okoro and Craig Porter Jr., who are not taking a lot of threes. So in terms of three-point attempts per game, you're probably about at the same with these lineups. Um, but I, I do think you're just seeing a, a willingness to get those threes up to execute the system. The ball movement has been really good. Do you think there's anything to the idea of Garland and Mitchell sitting back watching this and seeing what this style of play does for this lineup? And maybe, you know, the coaching staff seeing this too and making a point of emphasis that, hey, if we're playing this same style and we're getting threes up at this rate and we're moving well and we're relying on playmaking instead of doing too much individually— do you think that it can pay dividends where they come back and, and start executing the this same system and the same style of play? Yeah, I've been wondering this myself because you know there's I, I certainly you're you're seeing a ton more forty plus three point attempt games than there were last year. And especially over this last four games, I think all four were over forty. And, you know, on one hand, I think, you know, a certain type of person will see that and go, see? The double big lineup mm-hmm. is holding them back. And, like, there's maybe something to that, though I think there's plenty of uh, extenuating circumstances and Okoro and Porter taking some of those minutes, though. Like, in fairness to those sorts of folks, Okoro took five threes tonight. Evan Mobley is not taking five yeah, threes any night, you know? Like, so, like, there is a degree of, like, no matter what, like, one or two is still more mm-hmm. than zero, which is what most nights you're going to get from Mobley and Allen combined. So, like... I do want to at least acknowledge that viewpoint. So, like, I and I do feel it more as of late. Uh, you know, as Evans been out of the lineup, they are bombing away a little bit more. That's been more of a focus. I think part of that is straight up who's on the floor, as you noted. I think part of it is a 
well, we're not going to be able to run the stuff out of the high post as much, especially when Tristan Thompson's on the floor uh, in, in those spots instead of Evan or Jarrett. So we're going to have to find ways to generate looks in different ways. And, oh, by the way, also most of our top ball handlers that can generate clean looks for us are out. So we're going to have to run more split cuts and pin downs and uh, stuff to get guys a running start that sometimes leads to more threes. So, like, I think there's a billion chi- a billion eggs that could lead to this particular chicken. But I, I ultimately think, to your point, it doesn't matter. They should see the fact that the stuff they're running is actually generating really, really yeah. good looks for them. Uh, with less talented personnel, I think their shot quality has been better. Uh, I want to say they were last or second to last in the league in wide open three at three point attempts per game, like a week or two ago when I was doing a little stat dive on NBA.com. So like, I I think it's hard to see it any other way than no matter what the personnel is run this stuff and encourage this stuff. Um, Make sure you're encouraging when Darius gets back. Like, Hey, see what Sam's doing. Like, aren't you meant to be about as good of a shooter as Sam? See, see how he's changing the geometry of the floor just yeah. by being out there. There's nothing that can stop you from doing that. I saw a, a funny uh, uh, tweet exchange. Uh, I, I want to say it was uh, our boy Mort kind of talking about feeling like maybe Darius just doesn't want to take threes, and like we should, you know, like don't don't blame uh, JB, you know. Uh, and someone said. Uh, I, I don't actually know this guy. The the BD on you said, I legit think it's an internal monologue math thing. DG does think he can make 43% of every three he takes. He just thinks that he can get Mobley or Allen yamming it on 100% <laughs> of his drives. Well, and I do think there is a little bit of that. Like, it's not that he's not a confident shooter. It's like, he's so confident that he's the, that his playmaking can yield a dunk or a layup. I mean, we got it straight from the horse's mouth on media day. Remember he said it is a point of emphasis for me to take more threes this year, but with the added weapons we have, I also want to like set guys up. So that's, that is the internal monologue. Right. So I, I think, and to go back just briefly to the two big thing, like you look at last year, Mobley did play half of his minutes without uh, another big on the floor, without Allen on the court. And, you know, same goes for Allen. That means, 32 out of 48 minutes we're playing with one big on the court so i certainly think there is time to play pace and space throughout the majority of a game even though you have both of these guys but when they're both together when you're talking about the starting lineup you need to be getting 25 threes a game from garland mitchell and Struz. i i think that's the most important thing to continue to maximize that lineup and gar like you said garland in this time looking at the success they've had looking at the way the defense reacts when you're taking those threes and, and getting it up. I think that definitely needs to be a major takeaway. And, you know, he was trending the the last few games on taking, you know, six, seven, eight threes almost every single night. So I, I think it, it was more health related than anything else. But I still think that him getting back to his normal three point rate and normal three point attempts, that was one thing that we just assumed was going to come with health that elevation to that other tier where all of a sudden you're up in that Dame range in terms of three-point attempts and uh, the bending of a defense that occurs as a result of that, that is still a tier, and that's still a mentality that we haven't really seen. And I I would like to see, you know, lessons from this time where the Cavs are shorthanded and they're playing this style 
that is allowing them to remain competitive with teams that may have more talent and, and you know, have had more time together and whatnot. I, I think applying that style and playing it with the talent that you have and with the, these high-end guys that are on your roster, that can take this team to the next level. So w- whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players, I, I do think that there, there's a lot of positive lessons to learn from this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and ultimately, we'll see. Because I, I like the, the point about like this style is helping you kind of keep up with the Benjamins with teams that have more talent than you on the floor right now. Like the reality is we've talked about this a lot. The Cavs are not often going to have a, uh, like the Cavs don't have like a top three, top four player on their roster right now. Um, it would be great if one of their guys got there, but I mean, it, it feels like if they're going to want to get to the heights they want to get to, then it's going to have to be a by committee thing, which means you can leave no no yeah. meat on the bone. How did they like, stay competitive you in that to, first game you, against Boston? They yeah. outshot them from three. Yep, you have to maximize that variance. You have to uh, you have to play to your strengths. You can't turn down open threes when you have them with good shooters. Mm-hmm. You just can't. So these these kind of things, I I hope we continue to see them push uh, and continue to improve. I know we are getting kind of near the end of yeah. of this episode. One thing I thought we'd be remiss if we didn't mention um, uh, was the fact that Amani Bates got into the game tonight, and uh, boy, it did not go well. Um, I feel like you saw, you know, you know. Obviously, we. I think we. I would imagine you were more excited than most to see mm-hmm. him checking in. Uh, you know, we really want to see what he can do, and I think it was a little bit of a welcome to the NBA stint against uh, Najee Marshall. It was like, hey, I'm way bigger and stronger than you, dude, and I'm more athletic than you, and I'm n- and I'm not like a little six five wing. I'm yeah. I'm tall too, and uh, this is not going to be a good time. Yeah, for you. and another element of it too, like if you're looking at the offensive end, I think it was tough uh, to have him out there where uh, Craig Porter Jr. wasn't on the court either. Like that's probably a guy that if he's going to have success offensively in the NBA, he's going to need to be playing off a point guard he's going to need to be set up because I, I just don't think you know he's not going to be blowing by guys and he, he can generate the threes but it was just kind of tough to to ask him to to get good looks w- w- with Karras at point guard so I think that w- was part of uh the equation there but yeah it's it's definitely you know one of those there, there's still a gap uh but between the, the G League and the NBA I, I would expect if if like if you gave him a 24 minute run in a game, it probably would balance out a little bit. But I, I think you, we've seen in the glimpses that he's had uh, that some of the defensive issues, especially from a team. The functional strength is a real problem for him right now. And like, if you want him to be getting rotation minutes um, with the Cavs right now, that's fine. But I would suggest you're not as serious about them being a, a like, winning as many games as they can. You're also probably not doing the math Uh, that we were doing earlier in the season where we're trying to find time for Sam Merrill. Yes. So like, um, you like, I, I just think like, you know, I would argue Sam Merrill is a significantly more stout and strong defender than Imani Bates is right now. Um, you know, guys are just going right, right. Just like the playmaking and understanding of team basketball and all that. Right. Like, yeah, there, there is a violence, to NBA offense when you are when you when te- when guys know you are not strong enough mm. 
they will try to go through your chest. You know, Jaime Jaquez did it to him uh, in a, in one of the heat blowouts. Uh, Najee Marshall was doing it to him in this one. Um, you know, that frame just is going to need work. And, like, I saw someone uh, on Twitter be like, yeah, it's just really hard when they don't have, like, Mobley and Allen in to protect them. And it's like, you, like if you're an end-of-bench guy, you're not often getting in under ideal yeah. circumstances. You're, you're not out there you with know? Garland, like, you Mitchell, got drive. Yeah, yeah, they're just not going to... You're never going to get that lineup. So, like, he's just going to have to keep working on his body. I think it's a a thing I'm really glad that they're not pushing it. They're not forcing it. They're mostly saying, hang out in the G League, spend as much time with the, with the big club as we can as we can find for you. Um, and, uh, and, and just keep working, because the skill set is there. Obviously, the threes weren't falling hey, he hit tonight, the one. but, like, you know, it, he did hit the one. Um, but I thought, you know, the shots he was taking were, were good, clean shots. You know, the, the transition attempt that got blocked was a bit of an adventure. But, um, you know, ultimately, I just think, like, and this is not to, like, dunk on the guy at all, because obviously I'm rooting for him as much as anyone. But, like, I do think it was the kind of tape where you go, yeah, that's why the team is playing it slow with him. Like, he's not ready to just go play against good physical wings in 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 stretches of games that the Cavs are really, really trying to win. It's just not And I there do yet. think there's a benefit to him still getting, you know, a little short run like this. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to come up, um, you know, throughout the remainder of the season where he's going to get these opportunities. I think, you know, just that kind of little taste of playing against NBA competition and just that little reminder of what the size and speed is. Now that's, you know, that's, that's a data point for him. Functional that's a data, data point for him. He can go back, you know, all right, what do I need to do? Whether it's an, another push uh, to try even harder in the weight room or uh, working with Mike Garrity and, and everyone at the charge uh, to to continue to develop his game and, and better prepare him to hit the ground running when he gets extended run in the NBA. Um, I, I think that's all beneficial. And he is a guy that I think is going to be a rotation player in the NBA. Like, I, I just think that the jumper is something that translates, especially at that size. But there's more to it. There, there's more to it when it comes to to playing functional team basketball and especially for a team like the Cavs that that does have high expectations. And, you know, even though they've been beat down a little bit from an injury luck standpoint, uh, it doesn't seem like there's any pivots coming. Like I, this is a team that still wants to hold themselves to a high standard. They still want to make a run in this postseason. This is a core the team believes in. Uh, I saw Woj re- reported that earlier today, whereas, hey, they're they're not looking to sell. They're they're looking to stand pat and they're looking to to make the most of this year. So um I'm 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 excited. I, I want to see this team get healthy, but there's enough intriguing things that I, I think it's going to keep me satisfied over this next couple of weeks. But uh, before I wrap this thing up, I should probably mention we will only be doing one podcast. I want to wish all of our listeners a happy holidays. I hope you guys get to spend it with friends and family or, or by yourself if you need time by yourself. I, I know I'm going to try to get some of that too. Uh, so big shout out to everyone that's uh, been listening to Chase Down this year and hope you enjoy the, the holiday break. Yeah, thank thank you very much to everyone. I hope everyone has a great time with their family. I know I will. 
Um, and uh, thanks for uh, letting us take a day off. <laughs> Not that you had yeah. any choice in the matter. Sucks to be you. We're taking a day off, and we will be back later next week. Big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe. Click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of the review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs.